You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. The way that we know that curiosity is genuine in somebody's voice is that they have tapped into this, this real desire, this real drive, this real motivation. Coming to you from my desk in my basement, while the wonderful studios at Arlington Independent Media remain closed in the face of the coronavirus. I'm still your host, Lynn Borton, and this is most definitely Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Years ago, I was babysitting, and I remember seeing an episode of what I think was Sesame Street that really made an impression. They were playing around with punctuation, or rather the absence of punctuation, on a no trespassing sign. Private property? No! Trespassing allowed, they declared. Obviously, it stuck with me. How we say things, how we punctuate them grammatically and verbally, has tremendous impact on how they are heard and understood. So the obvious question is, how do we say something in such a way that others hear curiosity? How do we know from the sounds that we and others make that that curiosity is even genuine? Can we know? Several episodes back, my intern, Michaela Dwyer, talked with American University professor Aaron Foreman Murray about dance and embodied curiosity. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please be sure to do so. It's utterly charming and wonderfully illuminating. That was an exploration of how we express curiosity in physical ways. And it got me thinking about all the other ways we might express curiosity bodily with our senses or other faculties. The voice seemed an obvious place to go. And where better to take that question than to a voice coach? Carol Cadby has been teaching acting and theater for more than 30 years at the college and high school levels. She's brought her talents to George Mason, Signature Theater, Synetic Theater, the Theater Lab, and Arlington Public Schools. She lectures, coaches, directs, and teaches across the country through her own company, Cadby Production, LLC. And once a professional actor, she's now also an executive coach specializing in leadership presence. She's worked with a lot of people on how to convey the feeling of something, how to be heard. So welcome, Carol. Hello. It's great to have you here. So I wondered if you would do a little directorial exercise with me to start out. Would you do that? Sure. So you are a professional director. I am not an actor at all, but I wanted to kind of do something inspired by that Sesame Street episode and have you direct me in asking the simple question, why, in different ways. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Direct. Okay. So to find anything, you need to find the root of it. So in asking the question why, you need to find the parameters around why you're asking the question to begin with. Right. So what I'd like you to do is think about a circumstance where you really wanted to know the answer for something. And um, you were very inquisitive to know because the answer to that question would lead you to a wonderful outcome. So... Um, develop a circumstance in your head mm. that involves people that you care about or people that you know whose outcome 
to this question, if they give it to you, is going to result in a great result, prize, consequence, mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, why? Good. And now we're going to do what is called raising the stakes. And that is that the result of the answer to the question why has a lot of meaning so that the prize is going to be huge. It's going to be life-changing, altering. And so add that element to the desire for the answer. Um, why? Good. And now you're going to add something to the beginning of this, and that is that in the circumstances you discovered something that you didn't know before. And that will add even more weight to the need for an answer to the question why. Ooh, wow. Um, hmm. Why? Good, good. And now for the last time, there is urgency. So you need to know the answer right now. <laughs> why? <laughs> and so those are all the different layers that you add to it. Usually when I work, with clients. I we don't break it down to one word. We right. approach it as an entire piece, as a presentation, as a lecture, as a a conversation. So that all this information is embedded in in that piece and it's not just totally broken down to um, accessing one or two words. Because doing what we just did right now is very hard because you took totally everything out of context and just it's like a, a soundbite. <laughs> Soundbites are very hard. You know, what was interesting for me about it was I really was, I was getting sort of these visual, uh, these scenarios mm-hmm. in my head so I can really see the value of that. And there were a couple of places where in the direction I was like, I like, I wanted to burst out even before your direction was done because I mm-hmm. had this sense of urgency about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, so what, what makes why sound curious? The one word. Because it uh, implies an answer. It implies that there will be discovery at the other end. And I think that that's what curiosity is all about. It's about a strong desire to know or to learn something or to understand something. And, And that's why that particular word, because the way we use it in our everyday language, uh, always implies a, a response that will reveal information that we want to know. So the motivation behind the question is what makes it curious. Yes, because curiosity is all about wanting to know more and wanting to figure out and wanting to problem solve. So uh, without that motivation, then you, you, you're not getting to the element of what curiosity needs. You know, when we when we first met to talk about this conversation, I, I wrote down some notes. I didn't write a lot, but I did have a note about finding the truth. Mm-hmm. And I remember that that, had to, that was in a conversation that we were having about this idea of sort of motivation and the, the goal of the, of the question that sometimes questions don't sound all that curious. Sometimes they do. And authenticity. Mm-hmm. Can you hear authenticity? Yeah. And I think authenticity, the the definition of authenticity is being passionate, personally invested and passionate about something. And uh, you can hear that. 
you can hear when somebody truly believes in something or when uh-huh. somebody doesn't truly believe in it. Um, there are some people that are able to, to con their way through it and fake it, but most people, you can't. And once you find that kernel of genuineness, of, of passion and of belief, everything just comes to light because um, truthful conversation is undeniable. And that's the, that's the key to a good speaker. It's a key to a good actor, um, a good presenter, and a good leader is that there is passion and genuine heart and believability and truth in what they do. Hmm. Do you think it's possible to fake it till we make it? Yes. I think, I mean, yeah. People will know the difference in the end. <laughs> when I work with clients, if they... They can find that truth when we're working and rehearsing and we're practicing. But then when the real thing comes, you know, when you start working on on the actual getting out there and giving the presentation, people freeze up and they become very anxious and there's a lot of performance anxiety. And in that performance anxiety, you, you fake it because letting yourself be vulnerable to your emotional core of what you're passionate about is really hard when you're worrying about what other people are going to think about you. And that's what performance anxiety is. So it comes off as fake because people are nervous. So I I guess you, you can fake it. You can do it until at some point you become comfortable enough in your own beliefs that you're able to present to a group without worrying about it and letting yourself be vulnerable to them. That's an interesting question. Um, I I guess you can fake a belief in something until you truly believe in it further down the road. But no, I I don't think I I don't think you can fake truth. And can we hear the difference? Yeah. So the difference is you don't believe them. Mm. like people are like I don't believe that and and granted they have their own bias with which they interpret everything they hear but it's a difference between somebody saying that was a really good speaker or that was not uh, yeah it was an okay or that was a really good performance or uh, that wasn't such a good performance <laughs> and I, I think it's 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 magical mm. it's a thing it's a I don't know. It, it, a lot of people can't really put their finger on it. Some people call it charisma. I call it passion and, uh, and truth and authenticity. <laughs> and it's really hard to get people to understand that that is the most important thing because when you're working on presentation skills, everybody wants to be perceived well so oh yeah. they're very smart oh they really understand their material they are really speaking well so that they they work on the outward appearances how they stand how they look at the audience um the clothes they're wearing and granted those are all very important things but if you don't have that core of why you want to say what you want to say and why it's so important to you it's not going to come across as hmm. being quote unquote good do you think we're culturally trained or attuned to hear certain emotions or information or even 
you know, having cultural norms that influence how we hear what other people are saying, curious, not curious, polite, impolite? Yeah, I think that traditionally we assume when we hear a female voice or a voice that sounds feminine, we assume that whatever comes out uh, will be colored with emotion. And then when we hear a male voice, we I think we are culturally attuned to hear facts and statistics and, and not necessarily follow a, a, an emotional cadence of ups and downs. And um, when I work with clients, especially female clients, one of the things that I, I try to work on is finding the power in their voice because most women's voices do tend to be higher pitched and they do tend to uh, have an element of insecurity in it Uh, because usually the people that I work with are clients that want to change. They want to find uh, something different in the way that they are leading or in the way that they're presenting themselves. So that that change usually is from insecure to secure. And that shift happens if uh, there's a lowering of the pitch. And I find that when people are passionate, their pitch lowers or there's a, there's a depth, there's a, a density to what they have to say. It's it's less it's not light it's not ah dee, da, 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 but it's heavier it's deeper it's more uh, there's more conviction to it and that's usually what we tend to associate a male voice with as opposed to a female voice that has a lightness and a ha and it goes the the endings go up at the end you don't you don't have the tendency to hear this voice going up at the end. Does one of those kinds of voices sound more or less curious to our ears? I think we give more weight. If we if we are in a professional setting, we give more weight to a deeper voice that has stronger conviction. And we tend to uh, believe it more than another voice that has a more lightness to it and has a cadence to it. And the, the lightness is... is considered not professional and so some people may say well curiosity is here oh my gosh what is that uh but curiosity can also come through with like what is that i would really like to know so um i don't think the 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 intonation has anything to do with curiosity or the hearing of curiosity i think it's the hearing of the truth of somebody really wanting to convey something or really wanting to know an answer or really wanting to motivate or encourage or develop or change. That's really interesting because something you you said a moment ago, I thought, uh, raised really interesting questions about sort of how people are heard in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And for women expressing curiosity, curiosity, interest, kind of questioning, uh, with one sort of vocal pattern and a deeper vocal ca- pattern being heard differently with a different level of seriousness or authority, even in the expression of uncertainty. And I'm just intrigued at that intersection of 
the sort of truth of the question kind of maybe running um, crosswise of some of the cultural ways that we have been conditioned to hear people speak in, particularly in groups and in the workplace, that one person's curiosity conveys more power or authority than another's. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I was making reference to the female clients that I tend to work mm-hmm. with that are usually middle management and they want to advance and they're usually in a career that is male driven. So it's about fitting into that environment. I think that there's changes that being are being made right now when there's more or there's a lot more businesses that are owned by women. And so uh, I don't know, maybe in 50 years that will change, but as it stands right now, um, in, in the profession or in businesses where the majority of the people are men or the majority of, of CEOs or people in positions of power are men, that's the standard. That's the gold standard to achieve. Mm. And that's the voice to mm-hmm. achieve, right? Right. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. So as a woman in a kind of a, an array of professions, actually, mm-hmm. do you have curiosity practices yourself? Yeah. I see curiosity as a as an investigation and exploration. And the way that I approach directing is very experimental. It's um it's non-conventional and I'm always asking the question, well, how does this work and, and how can I try it a different way? And so my curiosity comes through in the amount of um, ways that I try something. Mm. And as a director. And then as an educator, my curiosity uh, comes through in that I see myself more as a guide, as a mentor, and I put out probing questions. And to me, it's more important to get other people to start thinking about the answer as opposed to me giving the uh, the dogma, the response that it's supposed to be. So my curiosity comes through in my desire to get other people to think and to really hear the difference in their responses. And and I, I just get a kick out of uh, hearing other people's passionate responses and their authenticity. And then as a, as a coach, I'm, I'm always uh, wanting to know what is the thing that drives this individual. Mm. And so I try a lot of different ways to get to that final product. And so one day I'll try one technique and the other day I'll try another technique. And so I'm, I'm always um, exploring and that in and of itself is curious because uh, I'm trying to figure out what's the essence of this person that I'm working with. Is curiosity something you coach your clients around? I guess if you look at figuring out who you are and what you want to say and what is the most important ingredient that you find about yourself that you want others to know, if that exploration is an element of curiosity, then yes. I've been trying to figure out what curiosity really means. 
And the words I got was inquisitive, wondering, figuring something out. And I think that that's all I do. Like when I'm directing a play, it's the curiosity of finding out who these characters are and what this playwright wanted to say and how can I convey it. And um, there's always that question of why, why, why to find an artistic solution. And then as an educator, my goal is always to get students to another level of self-understanding or self-realization that can come through in their either their professional life or their artistic life or their personal life. And that asking of the question, why motivates my educational pursuits as well. So I never thought of curiosity as being something that I did on a daily basis, but I think that that (laughs) is what I do on a daily basis. You are not the first person to say to me that I never really thought about curiosity until you asked, which is interesting to me because everybody I ask has such interesting things to say about it. Well, it seems to be the thing that makes us different from every other animal And that is that we're always searching for the reasons for being. I love listening to Krista Tippett's On Being. And Mm -hmm. I get such a kick out of uh, this human pursuit of figuring out why. And it tends to drive everything that we do. And then once we find the answer, we hold on to it or we don't hold on to it. And then we go to the next phase. It's like the journey of life is one big series of uh, phases to the answers to the question why. Wow, that's a perfect place for me to wrap that interview. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> so Carol, before, before I let you go, are you game for my big jar of wannabe analogies? Yes, that'd be great. Okay. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. So you're there. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I've got my jar. And I'm going to take out um, three slips of paper, one for you, one for me, one for our audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on the slip of paper. So yours is socks. And let's see, mine is a map. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? You go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, So how is curiosity like a map? I'm going to say that curiosity is like a map because it's a guide for exploration. Um, And um, some maps are accurate, some maps are whimsical, but like curiosity, they, um, they help us kind of go into unfamiliar territory. Awesome. That's how curiosity is like a map. Okay. How is curiosity like socks? So usually every day we wear socks <laughs> or hose or some foot covering and uh, they go with us on the journey as we travel through our day in the same way that curiosity tends to drive why we get up in the morning and what we do 
because it's the driving force that motivates us to live life fully. Oh, so now when I put on my socks, I'm going to think of myself as putting on my Curiosity Travel Companions. I like this. I like this a lot. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. And audience. uh, Oh, yours is Dragonfly. How is Curiosity like a dragonfly? Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, Carol, if people want to get more information or connect with you, how do they reach you? Uh, they can get me through email. It's carolcadby at uh, gmail.com or through Ola Consulting. That's uh, where I do a lot of my consulting work. And it's olaconsulting.com. And then I'm also an educator. So you can go to the theater lab or a Catholic University or George Mason. And I'm on their faculty. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you again for this and uh, stay well. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was very fun. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can find all my previous shows, including The Great Conversation with dancer Aaron Foreman-Murray on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number 2, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your dragonfly analogy, hashtag analogy. Special thanks to my guest, Carol Cadby. Check out links to her work on my website. And I spent a long time trying to find that Sesame Street clip. If you happen to come across it, would you let me know? Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Great Great Lengths by The Balloonist via Blue Dot Sessions. If you like what you hear here on Radio Arlington, I hope you'll support Arlington Independent Media with your tax-deductible contribution at WERA.FM. Every donation helps, especially now. That's WERA.FM. Thank you. Be careful out there, folks. And as you go into the day, pay attention to where you hear genuine curiosity. Let me know if you figure out the curiosity tell. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.